Welcome to the FutureX podcast. I'm Lee Schneider. The FutureX podcast is an ongoing conversation about how to build online communities that are welcoming and safe. In each episode, I'll interview a platform designer, an author, or a publisher. In today's episode, you'll meet Brian Freeman, a serial entrepreneur who is focused on the creator economy. He built a platform called Heartbeat, one of the largest influencer marketplaces in North America, and grew it to more than half a million content creators who are connected with hundreds of brands like Disney, Amazon, Duncan, Goop, Marvel, and TikTok. He's now working on building what he calls the next LinkedIn. According to Brian, LinkedIn sucks for content creators. We're going to hear more about that, of course. It's called Creatorland, and it's a professional network built for creators by creators. Hey, Brian, welcome to the podcast. That's great to be here, Lee. Thank you for having me. So what is Creatorland and why are you building it? So Creatorland is the, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't hate on LinkedIn too much, but uh, <laughs> the fact is it does suck for content creators. And so we're building the first professional networking platform for the about a hundred billion dollar creator economy because you know, 95% of the 300 million professional content creators worldwide don't use LinkedIn. So why are you the person, you've built a network already, you've built a platform already, but why are you specifically the person to do this? I'll try and keep this short, but it, it has to do with the experience that I, that I was privileged to have with Heartbeat, but also my professional and personal journey through becoming an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, I grew up in San Diego and San Diego, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was really not a tech town. You know, it started to emerge a little bit more, but you know, it's very much biotech. It's very much other things, not VC, you know, not VC back startups. So um, I taught myself to code at a very young age. I was building high, uh, computers in high school for extra money. I even taught a class in high school to teach other people how to code. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't graduate with an opportunity to go intern in a startup. And, and you know, that, that just wasn't my family. That wasn't my personal network. So um, I did have an opportunity to work at a startup and then saw it, founded my first company, which is a dating app. Um, the dating side of it didn't work out. And that be we pivoted that into what Heartbeat was, um, a, you know, nano influencer marketplace. My wife and I moved to Los Angeles in 2016. And although I was able to kind of raise a little bit of money and kind of, you know, hustle super hard for the few connections that I did have, you know, I didn't, you know, we, she had a couple of friends in town and I really didn't know anybody. You know, I was not part of the media space. didn't have entertainment friends. I didn't have really a lot of startup friends, maybe none. Um, and so getting new business was hard. You know, raising money was super hard. Um, we were lucky enough to get, you know, go through the Techstars 2017 class in LA, which was the first class. And Techstars, if you know, your listeners aren't aware, is a global accelerator network and um, you know, an awesome, awesome business. And so one of the things they do in Techstars is in the first two weeks, they have you go through something called mentor madness. So that's 60 people minimum that you meet in about a week and a half. And they brought the who's who. They brought hmm. the, you know, the top people in the entertainment space, you know, other founders from successful companies, VCs, you know, great product people, people who worked at Facebook and Google and everything. So you know, I, uh, being an enterprising guy, you know, I came into that with about 400 LinkedIn followers, but I had a virtual assistant who I hired to go into Techstars' Google Sheet, which had every mentor for the entire country on it. 
And we were only supposed to kind of use the contacts from it to follow up with people. But there, I had her look up the LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn request every single one of those people who I met with. And then I was like, you know what? Just go for it. Do it up for everybody on that entire Google sheet. It was about 500 hmm. badasses, basically. Right. And then, uh, and then I convinced my other co-founders to download all their contacts. And I did the same thing out of my email and LinkedIn. And then we all cross introed invite request to everybody. And so from then on, every person I met with, every VC we talked to, every founder I ever talked to, there was, the rule was if they're in my email and they had a calendar invite with me, we connect on LinkedIn. And when mm. I left that program, I had five or 6,000 connections. Mm. That was the jumping off point for me for business development, PR, uh, finding the next hire, getting, you know, contacts with venture, finding, you know, product people, you know, going to people for advice. And that, and it transformed mm -hmm. my LinkedIn from a kind of a weird place with my high school friends to a living, breathing representation of the person I wanted to be and the success I wanted to have. And it gave me that jumping off point for it. And I want that for content creators, because what I saw with my previous company was a massive demand and a lot of loneliness and a lot of unknown. How do I do this? What's appropriate here? You know, very transactional business. And I feel like there's a giant hole here. Now, as a startup founder, there's this sort of turn it up to 11 attitude when building community. Like you get a bit of a LinkedIn list. Let's contact everybody on the list. Like, <laughs> let's go for it. There's a lot of that in, in the startup community, but in the creator community, is it the same approach? I'm asking a community building question really and how maybe you're guided by what the community tells you or what's the feedback loop that you're creating to grow this in a way that feels right to the community? I think it starts with, you know, I think any new company really should start with building direct relationships with your target user. And so if that's a business, the type of business, that means interviews, that means getting to understand their pain, going beyond what you assume or your personal experience with something, you know, you like, well, this is really difficult for me on day-to-day -day life. That's not a signal of a big opportunity. That's not a signal that you're going to be solving a lot of pain for others necessarily. It could be an early signal, but it's not the whole thing. So I think, you know, community building really starts with having an attitude of, I want to understand the pain and I want to have a pipeline to tap into as I start to iterate on what my solution is to solve that pain. And a lot of time, a lot of people who are in the startup space will tell you, you know, that idea that you got really excited about that you're like, oh my God, this is it. This is everything. You know, six months in, it's something totally different. Mm -hmm. And that happened with us. That happened with Creatorland. I mean, when we started Creatorland, we were thought we were building a collab marketplace for, for paid creator to creator collapse, like Fiverr for creator collapse. Hmm. Well, it turned out that wasn't the big pain. The big pain was this lack of an ecosystem, this feeling of disconnection. And so what we did is we started interviewing content creators very early in this process. I took much longer on the research phase of this business than I did on the previous, which was building, emailing people, pulling them into a wait list, and then engaging them in questionnaires asking them if they'll get on phone calls with you. And that starts this like connection with the concept. And then from there, you wanna move them into an area where you can watch interactions with each other, share things, ask questions, and then you know cooperate and connect and share and like be part of the ecosystem of this network that you're building. And typically you wanna try and create connections between people who are 
have some shared similarity. You know, it's not every creator from every follower group that there ever was, but hopefully people who are in a similar stage, which is what we've tried to do. And we use Discord for hmm. that early community management. Now, what's interesting about this is we're at a very early stage of this, very early part of the curve, and you're building a community. Now, this is also something that startup founders are taught to do. And what I'm driving at here is that there's something that creators can learn from startup founders. Uh, you take the example of, say, a Kickstarter campaign. Seth Godin, the famous marketer, refused to, refers to Kickstarter as kick finisher, that basically you're supposed to be done with your community building by the time you launch that Kickstarter campaign. And I think a lot of creators could learn from that. It sounds like that's kind of where you're coming from in a way that we're very early in this, right? But we need to build a community around some shared values, perhaps. I'm wondering, and that's kind of wrapped up in, in that long uh, monologue, it's a question somewhere, which is why, what is the shared value that you're going for? Like, what's going to make people want to join this as a community? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think our, you know, we, we kind of have these two things. We have like a pre-platform. We have a platform that has not launched yet. And so the real value proposition that we actually have to offer beyond a promise of the future is this community. Hmm. So like, that's a big part of this, of what we're, giving people and part of that onboarding sequence and the last screen they see and then in our follow-up emails of like, hey, here's where we're at in the process on building this thing. Here's where you're at in the kind of sequence of release. And then mm -hmm. also, you know, get in that community on Discord and contribute because that's where we're seeing insights. That's where we're unlocking value by. Uh, and then we designed the Discord so that people could self-elect into specific categories Mm -hmm. to refine their experience around their interests. Like, am I a Twitch streamer? Am I a YouTuber? And what are my personal interests? And, and then, um, and different things that we know are relevant to this category. Like, you know, they want to build followership or they want to negotiate brand deals and they want feedback on that. And you know, we had somebody the other day who was asking about, I have a brand asking me for something very kind of out of scope for a normal engagement for the price. And the community was able to jump in there and say, here's some alternatives that you can offer them. And um, in the day-to-day -day life of most content creators, they don't have a, like, a, a, like a gateway into knowing who else has gone through and successfully negotiated something like that because their work is really them to their community, which doesn't really include this business layer. Right. You know, it's right. more about the performance of, and the thing they, and they really do have to keep mining a niche once they find it. And so a community of kind of these like fans form around them, which they can fill, which they can build a ongoing relationship with, but it's really a performance. And so you might think like there are people who come up after a play and say, awesome job. But if that person who was in the play doesn't get to go with their cast members after the play and like go have a beer and download mm -hmm. and talk about shared interests. It's a very lonely experience. And that's what most content creators have. They have, they can have millions of fans, a hundred thousand people live at the same time on Twitch. And when they log off, there's a massive gap of like, okay, now I don't have that audience on anymore who was filling my day. And you know, here I am alone in my apartment and I don't have anybody to pick up the phone and say, how could I have done that better? Or just say, 
this is how it feels to go through that. How are you dealing with that? Right. So I'm hearing layers, right? There are layers. There's sort of the performative layer. I'm a performer. I'm a writer. I'm a YouTuber. And then there's a business layer or the sort of how do we get this done layer? I mean, this resonates with me because just before this, I was on a Zoom with a fellow writer and we were talking about marketing books and what bookstores will take books on consignment and how do you do amazon ads work and should you go with this distributor or that distributor so i see a lot of value there for people because it, it's not openly discussed or at least there's not a forum to discuss it where that's safe you know that you're not yeah. going to be uh you know criticized for being a newbie or whatever the downside might be of speaking out about it yeah yeah, like I think one of the big, you know, so we have, I'm not ready to announce who this is yet, but we've um, formed a partnership with one of the biggest YouTuber groups in out of the UK and in most mm -hmm. of Europe. And I was on the call with um, one of them the other day and he was expressing that there's this, he feels a massive gap between the business community and the creator community. And if we're mm -hmm. talking, if we focus in on just content creators, I think this is something that we see commonly, or I see it because, you know, I'm pitching VCs or whoever. And because there's no, you know, honestly, I've, I'm thinking about like Starbucks with the third space. There's no third space where there's this like casual or even just like passive environment to absorb information that's professional in nature for either party industries, industry pros or mm. creators, because it's always a transaction. Their communication is, uh, hey, thanks for the payment, you know, Nike, uh, talent manager at Nike, want to grab a beer? Never, ever happened. Never going to happen. Like, <laughs> where do they overlap? Only at conferences, maybe. Mm. And they're, they're two very different types of people. But if you had them all in one professional ecosystem, now there's an opportunity for questions. Now there's an opportunity for someone to go, hey, I love that little clip that you uploaded about how you perfected your that UGC post for that other brand, you know, how are you thinking about that? Or like, what was that software that you used to get that graphic? Or like that leads to beyond the transaction, beyond the like, you know, this just exchange of info to maybe a meaningful relationship that's a friendship or maybe just a professional courtesy that exists in respect. Because right now there's a big gap. It's, ah, they don't know anything about business. And right. that's the business side. And the creator side was like, oh, well, these guys are just in it for the money. You know, they're trying to get everything out of me and get the lowest price. Versus people look really think about each other as professionals because that's how I think about my peers on LinkedIn. It's not competitive for me with other founders and with, to get VC money. That's not a thing. So like, I, I, you know, maybe you see where I'm going is that I think that we need a third space where mm -hmm. both parties can be in a non-transactional environment or a transactional environment sometimes to see this ecosystem really evolve. It seems deeper than a marketplace because here you get to ask an answer. It seems like better than Quora, uh, a little more, more creative than LinkedIn and kind of like you're saying, finding a space that wasn't there before and you're trying to create that for people to inhabit. And I think back, back to the, you know, what is early community done to drive this business is, you know, we, we used, we basically did a very low code approach in our early days when we thought we needed to build a marketplace because everybody knows 
that marketplaces, if they take off, can be super valuable, create a ton of enterprise value and, and really become, make you very wealthy and create a lot of value, right? So we thought we were building a collab marketplace. So we came up with some low-code approaches to this and we did engage a lot of our users. And what we found was that you know, they would invite each other to collab here and there, but they kind of didn't really have enough information. It was kind of an awkward interaction because it's like collaboration is more of a byproduct of a relationship that's either transactional or natural. It's transactional if a manager is like, hey, this, uh, this other young woman has, is taken off right now on YouTube. You're taking off on TikTok. I need you to post about her on TikTok and she's going to share and you guys are going to do a, a YouTube clip together. And that following is going to drive up on both sides because you both got a deal coming down the line with Nike. And I want, I think I can get you guys another few grand if we can boost these numbers. That's transactional. Organic is, uh, they, you know, they run in the same circles. They form a, a real relationship. Now they're in each other's content. You get the same outcome, mm-hmm. but you know, you had to be physically there. So that was our presence. Like, well, we can create a digital space where they can build, build these relationships and then pay each other for content distribution. But like by engaging with that community early and making sure we had a pipeline to connect with them, we were able to see like, well, the real problem, it, that is two down on the value props that we thought we could offer. The top was opportunity and discovery. They, they want to feel control and more that they have more impact on the opportunities that come in through their door and that they're a better match for who they are and what they want to do with their lives. The second is this education gap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were able to extract this by having a community that we could say, hey, we've got five things. What we did in the beginning didn't work. Rank these for us and then give it, and, and here's an open form. Please let us know what, what mm-hmm. these feelings are that you're having. And so we found opportunity discovery, education and learning, networking with peers. Because if you're, Saying, hey, network with your peers and they don't do it because they're not on LinkedIn, you're, you're telling them to picture something that they've never experienced before. You mentioned a pipeline a moment ago. So is that Discord? And has that turned out to be the best way to knit people together? I mean, there's kind of two types of community. And I mean, that's not true, but I mean, like in my mind right now, it's this like, you've created a feedback loop that's pretty consistent through a single channel and email through like surveying and like asking for feedback is a very good channel for that. And, um, or if you've built a social community and you're doing things like reacting live to people, you've got a dense followership and they will like participate in the comments. I don't find that that's really the case with businesses. I mean, I don't think people are excited about businesses on social, unless it's like a bar stool, which is really more of an entertainment platform. Right. So you need to kind of find the channel that works for you. There are lots of community solutions out there, but Discord happens to be free and email is inexpensive. So for us, we look at it where there's the Mm -hmm. creator land to user. That is, we want them to feel like we care. We want to demonstrate we do. We want to make the community more transparent for people who are looking at emails. Like, hey, here's somebody who's in the community. This is what they had to say. If you want to follow them, here's their stuff. And, you know, creating highlights, creating, celebrating heroes, making it feel less like a solo single player game for people. And you can do that through communication, even if they're not able to 
in a real-time environment respond to you. And Discord, which is free and has a lot of really good tooling and you know, is now adopted by many, isn't perfect. You know, one mm-hmm. of our challenges, just before I go on a Discord proselytization thing, <laughs> right. is that people join Discord and they have usernames that have nothing to do with mm-hmm. what this like presence is that they build externally, which is how you would validate, you know, like asking someone a question or, you know, if it's someone responded, why you believe them or, you know, take someone seriously or, you know, whatever, all that stuff that like, you know, you and I probably looked at each other's LinkedIn before the call. So we can like jam on a few things when we first get on. And it's, right. it's like much easier to create flow. And like in Discord, it's all anonymous unless you force people not to be. And so there's some ways to do that. There's some plugins or writing custom code. Um, but that's a challenge. We've experienced that too. It's like mm-hmm. we see people who are really active and the majority are, are less active because you, you have to create reasons to come back. You got to be very consistent. So what we're setting up is... Um, consistent audio based like conversations between creators and between the platforming creators and, and driving that based off of key questions that people have and then making that content accessible after the fact so people know when it's happening and that it has value. And, That's an interesting, um, I like that idea. That's a very interesting idea because one of my beefs with Discord is my eyes glaze over with the density. There's just so much stuff, so many channels and sub-channels and conversations and sub-conversations, and I just go, ah, and some of them I find interesting, you know, but I, I can't stick with it. So I like the idea of brief conversations or audio conversations or just a way for me to navigate the Discord. I mean, that's been my issue with it. Oh, it's very fair. I mean, I'm in... 60 discords. <laughs> so if they're not in my top three, I don't look at them ever. And yeah. unfortunately, it's a very noisy place. Yes. And it was designed for gamers to build micro communities of their friends, not uh, companies to build a, a 100,000 person ecosystem around 75 different topics at any given time. It's very hard to keep up. Most people turn their notifications off. And mm-hmm. so, and this is going to be true in some degree on almost any community management platform that you create that is designed to give people access to each other. So right. if, you, if you need real-time interactions for, to create long-term value, then you need to be like driving the value prop of why, those, why being present during certain times uh, is really valuable and then deliver that value and celebrate it everywhere cross-channel so that you get more and more people in that live environment. Otherwise, you will be creating these kind of like, you know, asynchronous touch points where the right people aren't there at the right times and, you know, there's so no relationships mm-hmm. form. And, you know, and that's like, that's partly why you see this is just like Clubhouse, the audio app, having very short term value because, and, and not having long term impact is it's, it requires extreme synchronicity in order for it to, to, to create any value. And it's, and it's very hard to do. So it's worth doing, but you know, it's gotta be a real effort. I'm hearing that it should be synchronous or a live feeling. In other words, there are a lot of Slack communities out there, but that might not be the best because Slack is by its nature asynchronous and you sort of check it when you can. And if you get into an extended Slack thing, it's like your day is gone. You know, you just hmm. tends to suck you down. So 
this is my way of asking the question, what works and what doesn't work? If someone is trying to build a community around their creative output or and or you trying to build a community around the creative people, is Discord it? Is there an email? Is there anything else? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it partially depends on who your customer is. So hmm. um, one of the things, one of our headwinds is that like not every single content creator is in Discord all day. But if you're a gaming creator, this is a fantastic channel because mm. you can do things like looking for groups and, you know, you can automate all the content that you're making. And if the content you're making is relevant to the people who play that game, you're creating density around a topic that everybody there by definition shares an interest in. And so because the creator economy for content creator, I mean, content creators, it's 10,000 different types. And so mm. they have some shared like needs and interests, but you know, you've got to really understand who that is when they come in in order to do it. So for us, it's a little bit more of a challenge. But, you know, I'll give you an example of one that's working really well on Slack. I think if you're building density around a core topic or topic of interest, this is a podcast community I'm a part of for a podcast called Acquired. I've got incredible value out of that. And it's the shared interest is business. And like, these are three-hour podcasts. So like, if you're somebody <laughs> who wanted to join the podcast, uh, the podcast community... You're somebody who like likes this crazy deep dive into the history of Disney, you know, and all this stuff. And, and we all do. And um, so, you know, I get there's a lot of instant connection with people who are in there and a lot of shared stuff that we can give each other. But we're all, you know, this is also like tapping the tech community and founder community and VC community. And there's a lot of like consistency in this listener group. Mm -hmm. So it feels more alive and it feels async works better um, versus people who might not use Slack all the time, then not going to work. You know, consumers right. won't use Slack. Um, and Discord is more of a consumer product, but best for gamers. And honestly, it's best for, um, you know, like I said, people who are in Discord all the time. So, you know, for us, it's been wins and losses. Right. Well, a lot of these platforms do rely on us showing up quite a bit. I've been, I've left Twitter recently, been getting into Mastodon. I'm spending more time on Mastodon than I would really like right now because I'm trying to build a community on that platform. So I check it a lot and I'm on it a lot. There's an addictive quality, which is not great, uh, but it seems like you have to put in the time to find your people at the very least to make it work. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't think anyone has built a real community around their business or as an individual or as a creator without putting in an incredible amount of time. I mean, mm -hmm. this is something we used to coach brands on all the time. It's like if you're going to run a social campaign and you want people to tag your brand in it the and you want to feel like you're accessible and not just some weird ivory tower company that's like just running random ads, you need to participate in the comments. You need to like... Mm -hmm. have a personality, whatever it is, like be present in the content, in the, in the comments and the activity that's happening around the creators who are making content for you, because that makes you accessible. That could lead to some of these more dense relationships and outcomes that lead to long-term purchasing habits and connection to the brand and, you know, high NPS and proselytization and referrals that are fairly most common now. And when someone feels like they're a part of something, that's much harder to create now than it was because there's high competition. But yeah, you've got to be there. And mm -hmm. 
you know, I am, mm-hmm. you know, like those people can get a hold of me in there, you know, like I respond to people and it's time consuming, but it's also, there's no better way to demonstrate that you care about your customer than showing up or have somebody on your team be dedicated to this because it does pay very, it pays high dividends. Let's talk about the early adopter community and the whole idea of what an early adopter is, because in our pre-talk before we've recorded this, we did mention the idea of successes and failures. And one of the ways you found some early roadways to success is really understanding what the early adopter is. Uh, And I want to talk about that in a really broad sense, because people understand it as a product adopter. But what about an early adopter to a creator, or an early adopter to a YouTube channel, an early adopter to a novelist or a podcast? This early adopter concept is really useful if you want to understand who are going to be the leading edge people who are going to get you first. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but they have to be, they have to care. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? This whole early adopter world? I mean, I think w- one thing about it is that the era that we're in now gives you tools to identify these people better than maybe what we had 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Mm. And so mm-hmm. if you're, you know, you can see who these, who the most common commenters are on your stuff. You can see who's, uh, you can, like, these, there are tools out there and the tool, like the social products themselves will help you identify people who are super engaged in your community. And if you're very present, you'll see them. And so I think, you know, we think about it like these are very important to us right now. You know, we want to find, mm-hmm. identify these people, want to get a hold of them. We want to identify if they're the right people for how we think we need to launch the product. And for us, this is very directed um, for a content creator. It might be exactly what they need to have somebody who's listened to every single podcast that they've ever had and is also someone who has some level of authority in this space that could become a guest that could become mm-hmm. uh have maybe has their own network that they could distribute you on that could be the get the insight that you needed so i i feel like the opportunity is there now for new businesses to build capture points for this and then recognize it. And I mean, early adopters are personality type. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an early adopter. I go in on stuff. It's impulse. People like this can tend to be a little bit impulsive and then hyper loyal because <laughs> they're trying new things all the time. They're like, oh, I love that. Like mm-hmm. I listen to every single one of these acquired episodes, every single one. They're three hours long. There's like 300 of them. I listen to every single one. Um, and I was one of the first listeners on the podcast. So, like I'm an early adopter and super loyal. and. And I think, um, I think one thing that they did was that if you build a dense base of people who are early adopters, but they really care, and you keep building for that customer set, there are a lot more like them. And they tend to have an incredible LTV. And so you can build fantastic businesses and even huge businesses off of being really dense with this early adopter and really understanding them. I mean, Discord is an example of that. They built, mm-hmm. it was a gaming community solution. It turned out there were a lot of gamers out there that wanted their own space. And by understanding them really well and building for that customer, they were able to build a really great product. So, yeah. you know, that's not new news. 
people understand but it is that, news but. in the in the framework of the creator it's kind of new for some because mm. if i'm thinking of about this as a creator or as an early platform developer or anyone at the leading edge of something my initial group of people is probably not going to be huge but they could be passionate and if i could identify those people using just common sense the people who are interacting maybe some software tools that you may know about that's going to help me fine tune what i'm doing so if i'm creating a story it's going to be the kind of story that more of those people might connect with and or if i feel my story is really weird and outlier and bizarre but guess what there's a community of people who like that kind of weird outlier bizarre story well i'm emboldened in a good way to yeah. go there well, there's a couple ways, I mean, there's more than a couple, but a few ways to make your early adopter community really sticky. And mm -hmm. if you're a creator and you're building an audience, you've got something unique. And uh, businesses with email lists have this too. And you, we've, I, you know, uh, the skim was really great with this. Mm -hmm. You have a platform where you can reward your loyal listeners, participants or whatever, by giving them putting their name in lights. And that's talking, hey, I just want to do a download on Lee. Mm -hmm. Lee is my guy. This guy has shown up and commented on the last five, on every video I've ever done. I don't know what I'm doing, Lee. I'm glad you like it. Thank mm -hmm. you for being here. I just wanted to take 10 seconds out of this, this cast and make sure we're recognizing these awesome people in our community who are the reason we're here. Thank you. You guys are the best. Mm -hmm. If you do that kind of thing, Lee just became the ultimate right. fan. And right. all of the other people go, huh? Chance, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm the next Lee. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. No, it's so true. Well, as we wrap up here, this has been fascinating. And I think people will get a lot out of it, creators and platform makers alike. I want to ask you a question that I'm asking everyone, which is what are you doing to make the creator land safe and welcoming for people? It's a content moderation question, but it's also an inclusiveness question. How is that on your mind? Yeah, this is, um, I mean, welcoming is really important. And I, I don't think we've got this right yet. Um, part of this is resource constraints, but I think what you, what we want to do right now, we like commented everybody in general and in, uh, in the general channel and say, Hey, welcome to the community. We're so glad we're he you're here. If, and then if we can find out some personal information about them or something specific to their account, you know, we want to call that out. So there's a, like a way that people who are looking go, Ooh, that's cool. I want to talk to that person. Um, we want to make them feel like they understand the space and how they get value out of it. I think safety is really important. And um, so if you don't have the time yourself to monitor things all the time and you've got, you're starting to build like a lively ecosystem, you wanna try and identify those early adopters in your space who will take on that responsibility to protect it and make it something that feels inclusive for everybody. And I mean, for us, it's, you know, if people are spamming or people are, you know, just doing stuff that takes away from the spirit of why it exists, it, it's a, you know, we delete the comment and give them a warning. If it happens again, they're banned. And, um, or if it's egregious enough, we ban them. Because I think if you let the integrity of, or the expectation uh, be violated, it's even one time, 
uh, you know, people will forgive you for it for once, but if it's a continuous thing, you lose that trust and they're out. And so, um, you know, people need to feel like they're not going to be assaulted with, with things. And so for us, like, it's not a political space, you know, it's not a sexy space. It's a, it's really a professional space for building with your peers and becoming better at the career that you either want to have or do have. Um, so for us, I, that, that, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, we're learning now so much that the online world, there's a lot of software, there's a lot of bells and whistles, there's a lot of gizmos. It's really about content moderation. At the end yeah. of the day, if you can't get that right, your platform fails, especially from a platform level. Yeah, if I can plug something, it's not it's not my own, but um, Me6 is a pretty easy to use tool mm. that uh, is very low cost for a Discord community that will help moderate automatically. So cool. you can create words that it can't say, or they, people can't say, and they'll be like auto-warned, but they won't be able to publish it. Um, and it can do things like smart looking for specific behaviors that you want to prohibit. Um, so that, you know, that's a recommendation I have. I think it's, it's, it's got a lot of advanced features, but that's something that can help create safety in your, in your community space. Cool, that's good to know. So if people want to do more or want to become more involved, what's the next step for them? So um, for content creators, just head over to our websites, creatorland.com, um, sign up, and then we'd love to have you in our Discord community. You know, we can't wait to have you there. And then if you're on the business side and you're interested in a LinkedIn Navigator-like solution for finding great content creators, head over our site and click on the link for Creatorland for Business. And we'd love to get you on that wait list too. Awesome. All right. We'll put that in the show notes too. Well, Brian, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was great. Thank you, Lee. This is great. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Future X podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or anywhere fine podcasts appear in your feed. For more info about Future X, visit futurex.studio.